So I wanted to ask you guys, what makes you feel comfortable and at home? For some people, it's a smell, and some people, it's a style or a decor they have at home. Um, pictures of your family and your loved ones, people who have passed, the people that you want to remember on the walls, you know, that that could be what makes you feel comfortable. But what, what it really is, is familiarity. You're familiar with your home. That's where you're comfortable. You've spent the majority of your time there. That's where you're comfortable. So I wanted to look up the definition of familiarity. And what I found is that it's the state of being familiar, a friendly relationship, intimacy, the absence of ceremony, through the knowledge or mastery of a thing. And so where am I going with this? I feel like the Lord put it on my heart to share with you guys um, this message to draw you in past the doorway of God's word, to kick off your shoes, kick off the ceremony, and get familiar and comfortable in the living room and the dining room of God's word. And that's where your relationship can flourish. So today, our topical study is based out of John 15, 1 through 12. If you would like to turn there with me, I'll give you a second. But while you're turning there, I'm just going to open up our study in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we just come before you and we just ask for your blessing over your word, Lord. I pray that you would meet us here. Calm our hearts, calm my heart, and open up the hearts of the women that are here. And um, I just pray over this study that it would be um, driven by your Holy Spirit, that you'd filter out anything that's not of you. Um, give me um, discernment on what to speak to these ladies, and that I would just be your mouthpiece, Lord. I ask that you would uh, help us to grow deeper roots, and that we would just really cultivate... Um, our relationship with you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, John 15, verse 1 and 2. Um, I'll read that. It's, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may, may bear more fruit. So I want to take a minute and dig into these verses and what they're saying. Um, Here Jesus says that he's the true vine. And what kept standing out to me, what I could conclude from that verse, is that there's going to be imposters. He he claims that he's the true vine. But people, I, I believe that as humans, we tend to put people in his place or things in his place that we believe could be our source of um of strength or that can bring us comfort. We put people in his place. Um, There will be things that we seek out to fulfill us and they'll ultimately leave us dry and withered. If you're not receiving from the true vine, you will dry up. Um, uh, last, Last year, I taught a message on being grafted in. We were in, I believe we were in Romans or Acts, I can't remember. But it was talking about how Gentiles were grafted into the promise with the Jews. And so I kept thinking about that. I always tend to be teaching on something to do with gardening. And that's great because I like to garden. But um, it's important we don't graft ourselves to anything else besides the true vine. Um, 
In the second half of verse 1, Jesus says that my father is the vine dresser. And in a vineyard, a vine dresser is the guy that keeps the vines in tip-top shape, if you don't know. Um, He's the one who will care for you and help you grow and develop into all he wants for you. To be a bearer of fruit. And we've all, most of us, I believe, in this room have read about the fruit of the Spirit, which is found in Galatians 5, 22-23, if you don't know. But it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that he's talking about here. That's, that's the goal for us Christians. As it says in Matthew seven sixteen, you can identify them by their fruit. And so when people look at your, your tree, which you could say your life, Um, What kind of fruit do you have? Do you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Is there evidence that you have this relationship with the Lord? And in verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And at first glance, you could be like, ow. But when you read it close and you chew on this verse and you dig into it, it says, and we'll just break it up, every branch meaning every person in me, meaning a believer, a child of God, that does not bear fruit. So a Christian that is not displaying the fruit of the Spirit in their daily life, he takes away. And in my Bible, and probably a lot of your Bibles, it has like a little footnote. It's also translated, um, lifts up, which is to me more understandable for the context here. Um, I heard it described like this, and so when I read this, I picture it like this. Um, picture God, the vine dresser, and he's tending. He, if you look at a vine dress, a vine, a vineyard, there's rows and rows of grapevines. And the vine dresser's job is to go and check the vines. He just checks each one. And so you see this expert vine dresser tenderly runs his hand across the vines, and he's just feeling, just, he's very gentle. He doesn't want to hurt them. He just wants to help them. He gently runs his hand across the vine, feeling for anyone that's in trouble, any vine that is not bearing fruit. And if, and in a vineyard, if you're, if you're trying to grow fruit, picture a vine that's not bearing fruit is probably down in the mud. It has mud covering it, preventing it from getting sunshine. So he gently runs his expert hands along the vines and he finds one that's not bearing fruit and he lifts it up out of whatever the mud is that's covering him up, covering up the vine and he gently brushes it off and he cleanses it and he carefully lifts it up, bringing it closer to the sun. And in this, we can think of the sun, Jesus. The closer to the sun, the sweeter the fruit. And it just makes me think of the sweet, gentle side of God. I mean, when you read through the Old Testament, you, you see his wrath against the disobedience, and you see, you see a very strong, disciplined side of God, but he's also merciful and kind and gracious. And it, just brought, it brought me to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, which says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He's, and, and I kept thinking of this. Um, you know, I'm like, if I could pick out of the Trinity, Jesus is my favorite because he's the one who died on the cross for me. 
But remember, God came up with the master plan. It was him. He did it. He, he came up with this brilliant plan. So I don't know if you're supposed to pick favorites or not, but like godisthebomb.com. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but he is. So at the end of verse 2, it reads, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So even if you're bearing fruit and abiding in him, and you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, he'll still prune you. How many of you here know what pruning is? Yeah? Okay, so a couple of you don't, or didn't raise your hand. But um, it's the method used in gardening where you cut off dead parts as well as some of the parts that are alive that are not helpful to the whole plant. So in a spiritual take on this, even if you're being used in ministry or busy about the Lord's business, he may do some pruning to better focus your efforts, making you more productive. So a couple examples here is I have a blueberry bush head. Um, it would produce berries the first year. It was so exciting, and we are like, we don't have to buy them. But the next year, it was, they were little tiny berries, and they were sparse. So we did some pruning, and then the following season, we had more berries that were bigger and yummier. Uh, yeah, I need to do that to my apple trees. But when you prune, you remove the branches that are causing extra work for the plant, the straggly branches. So I was reading a devotion the other day, and it was talking about an apple tree that was found while on a hike. So it was just growing out wild in nature. But um, it was unkept. Nobody tended this tree, and it was huge, huge branches weighted down with a crazy ton of little apples, just a ton of them. And when you look at it, you're like, whoa, check out all that fruit. But when the person writing the devotion tasted the apples, they were nasty and they were hard and they were not palatable to eat and they were small. So that tree needed to be pruned. Um, So back in a spiritual take on this, one could seem very active in church, putting themselves in every project, yet... Um, what they were able to give was little and ineffective and spread over too many things. Like, I always think of like a Thanksgiving plate. You put too many things on there, you can't enjoy it because you just eat it on and you get sick. But sometimes the Lord will prune things from your lives and it can be painful or, or things that you want to do are good things. They're like you want to volunteer at church, but if you volunteer in everything, you can't be helpful in anything because you're overwhelmed or you're not focused in what the Lord might be calling, at, calling you to do at that time. So when the Lord prunes you and takes things from your life, he's bringing you back to a focal point on him, making you more useful and more lovely and having more growth quality over quantity. Okay, back to John 15, verse 3. It says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. When we read this, we can just know the word of God cleanses, convicts us, exhorts us, and speaks to our hearts. So, the, the, the basis of my t- teaching today, I want it to really draw you, draw you to your source, draw you to God's word. 
um, if you're looking to hear from the Lord, if you want to hear God's voice, sometimes he'll speak audibly to people. Sometimes he'll speak through worship. When you're worshiping him, he'll speak to you. Or you'll be in prayer and you'll get an answer. But every day we have the option to hear from the Lord. But a lot of us don't tap into it. Um, You have a choice in life to feed your flesh or your spirit. I was told once that it's like a dog fight. Whichever dog gets fed more will win. Um, If you're seeking him, if you're staying in him, being washed daily in his word, you'll clean off and clean out what the world inputs. And in this day and age with technology, there's a lot of input. So for me, when I go to sleep at night, I have a have kind of a process where I kind of debrief my day. It's, yeah, I've said goodnight to everybody, and I've closed my eyes, and I'm starting to fall asleep, but I'll be like debriefing, thinking about my day and what happened. It can range from how my dinner turned out or how the kids were behaving or what was on social media or if I watched a movie or a preview or a commercial gave me the heebie-jeebies. I'll be thinking about my day, and just like that, I'll be like, whoa, the Lord needs, I need, I need to be cleansed. Like, I just, this was, you know, and I'm sure you've all been there where you've been thinking and you just think, oh, Lord, help me. But that's, that's when you can turn, that's where you have this resource of being in God's word that day when things start to attack you or, or pollute your mind, you can remember what the Lord talked to you about in the morning or whenever you found time to, to spend time with the Lord, that's, that to me is, that's when I'm really grateful that I took the time that day to spend time in God's word so he can wash me with his word. And sometimes I really appreciate having the ability to just turn my thoughts towards him and ask him, you know, remove those things from me, cleanse me, Lord. Okay, in verse 4, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So in, in those verses you hear the, the famous line, abide in me and I in you. Um, it just makes me think of that, that phrase that a relationship is a two-way street. Without him... We're not able to do good works. We can, in our efforts, we can try, but we might get burnt out or we'll fall, fall on our face and, and turn back to our flesh and get sassy and, and stinky in our flesh. But with him, we can be fruitful and we can do good works. And I have written over here, basically a branch that isn't a part of the vine is a stick. And sticks don't have a lot of use except for making fire. And that kind of brings me down to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. And that's the hard truth of the matter. If you don't know him, you wither and you get burned up. The key is relational. We need a relationship. We need to know him. And um, when I was studying, I, I ended up in Matthew 7. In verse 19, it says, Every tree that did not, does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. And all I could think is, we don't want to go there. I don't want to get burned up. I don't want to get burned out. 
I don't want to be, I don't want people to look at me and say they don't, she does not know the Lord because the way that she is bearing fruit is not of him. I don't want to do that. Okay, verse 7 of John 15, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By my Father, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So in these verses, I know people have misquoted it like, oh, if we're abiding, it's going to be like a genie in a bottle. I can just pray I want a red Corvette and that's what I will get. But that's not what he's saying here. That's that's not what he said here. (laughs) I know. Bummer. (laughs) But what it is saying, um, so it's not saying that you'll be praying and receiving everything you ask for. But when you abide in his word, your heart is learning his will, therefore leading you in his will, and your prayer life will also be led in his will. So in considering he wants what's best for us, don't we want to be praying his will? And when you pray his will, you bring glory to the Lord, because when his will is prayed, that's what happens, and it brings glory to the Lord. I get so encouraged when I hear of people who have been praying for that one person to be saved and you hear that they finally came to know the Lord or they've been praying that the Lord would direct their path and show them where to go and then and then he opens doors and he makes it abundantly clear that that's what he wants for them and it all works out. I've heard so many different stories of answered prayer. I mean, I can think of many of my own, but that's when it brings glory to the Lord. That's one way we can draw people into the kingdom of God is to show he is the master plan. He has this will and he's bringing it to fruition in our lives. And if we're abiding in him, in his word, and we're aligned with him, then when we're praying for things, he's going to alter our prayer life in a way that will bring glory to him and will bring answered prayer. We need to be seeking to be abiding in his word and being aligned with him, to be not ahead of him or behind him, but right next to him, with him, staying with him. Okay, verse 9, it says, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I would just implore you guys to take time daily to abide, to dwell, and remain in his love. I just think my love is so uncomparable to the Lord's. And even though we're taught as Christians and we know in our heart that we want we want to be having agape love for our brothers and sisters, but that doesn't come naturally for us. I know for me, I struggle with just instantly loving people. I'm sure you guys don't ever feel that way. But personally, just to be transparent and relatable here, let's just be real. And I'm not proud of it, but I struggle with people. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I don't, it doesn't come natural for me to just agape, which means to unconditionally love people. Um, but it doesn't come natural for us. We need we need the Lord's strength in that. We need we need to to tap into Him so we can do this this thing that God wants us to do, but we are not capable to do on our own. 
It also says in, I'm going to skip over to verse 12. It says that this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And, and the answer is in verse 9 and 10. If, you're, if you are in him, if you're abiding in his love, if you're keeping his commandments, then you are able to do these things. Back to, okay, John 15, verse 11. I skipped over that one, but we're going to go back to it. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. And that verse really spoke to me because I struggle occasionally with being depressed or... um, Lacking joy. I know for me, I struggled like postpartum depression, like after I had my babies. I struggled with just finding joy. And even before I had my first son, um, I went through a phase where I was just, I think I was having hormonal, hormonal imbalances, but I was struggling, struggling to find that joy. And I've, I never had that problem before, so it was really foreign to me. I didn't really know where to turn. And, um, thankfully I have, a lot of Jesus-loving people in my life. And my mom, she directed me back to the Lord, you know. And and I remember Nehemiah 8.10 was like, it's still kind of my go-to verse. It's it's 8.10b, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And in Psalm 28, verse 7, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and my song, with my song, I will praise him. And then also in Psalm 105, it's 105 verse 4. It says, search for the Lord and for his strength, continually seek him. And so it brings me back to John 15, 11, when it says, these things I have spoken to you. So he's spoken, this, the Bible is spoken by God. You know, it's God-breathed, spirit-led. It's God's word. He spoke it to us that my joy, meaning his joy, would remain in you. It's not a fleeting joy. It's not a, I'm happy right now. In an hour, I could be unhappy. But it's joy that remains in the middle of your storms, in the middle of your valleys. It's when you're in the depths of despair, you know that you're not abandoned. You know that there's hope, even when you feel hopeless. And so it says that, my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So it's not just, like I said, it's not fleeting joy. It's full. It's full joy from the Lord that when you're at your lowest, you can still have joy. And joy isn't, it's not the same as being happy or being bouncy or having a smile painted on. Joy is, you know, it's hope and it's, it's what you can hold on to. It's your anchor, you know. It's what gets you through the dark parts of life when you're struggling to me. And I always said if I had a daughter, I'd, I'd make sure Joy was part of her name, like it would be her middle name. But I don't have a daughter. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, yeah, you, maybe. Never you never know. <laughs> but that, you just, I just like, for me, I just want a daily reminder that the joy of the Lord is my strength and that I can find joy in him and if i'm in god's word if i am living in his word if that's my daily life then i can that helps me remember you know whenever i 
start to feel down or, or hopeless, I know I'm not because I've been in God's Word and I remember, you know, He has a word for me that day and, and He has a word for all of us. We just need to seek Him out. <clears throat> so I have this little part that's kind of funny. Back when we were talking about loving people, and I guess I'll share it with you guys. But um, saying that I struggle sometimes with irritating people. Not people, like there's no specific people coming to mind when I think of irritating people. But <laughs> I think of general irritating things, you know, generally irritating. Um, can cause me to struggle to love people. And don't get me wrong, I love people and I want them to be saved and I don't want them to you know, struggle, but I can struggle with loving them. My husband has a term for when I get moody like this. It's called porcupiney. Um, just when you're in a mood. So porcupiney. I'm not proud of it, but it's real life. But um, And also, the Lord, I can share this with you guys and, and trust that you're not going to hate me because the Lord sees this in me and he doesn't hate me. He loves me. So I just wanted to put that there. But so the Lord sees us just the way they are, the way we are. He knows that we have moods, especially women, um, that we can have some, you know, turbulence in this life of being like, I don't float across the, the sea of life very casually. Sometimes I'm, oh my gosh, everywhere. But the Lord knows that and he gave us tools to help us because he loves us. So when we're actively seeking the Lord, when we are daily drinking from the well and we're getting our daily bread and we're refilling our love tank and we get our free refill of the Holy Spirit, we are more capable to love people the way the Lord is asking us. Um, I went to this women's retreat last year and it was amazing. Um, sometimes women's retreats are amazing, groundbreaking, and they speak to your heart, and sometimes it's just like a giant sleepover. But the last year that I went, it was a groundbreaking, wonderful time. But June Hesterly was teaching, and she, um, it was a privilege to hear from her. But she had this quote, and I was just going to quote her, and it said, a vertical relationship of loving the Father will enable us to have a loving horizontal relationship with people. And so when he, and it says it's his commandment that we love one another as he has loved us, this is how we are able to do that. By being, cultivating roots, kicking off our shoes, getting comfortable with our Heavenly Father, dwelling with him, remaining in his word, having a relational prayer life with him. I've been teaching my kids how to pray, and it's really sweet how they pray. It's it's like, you know when it says in the Bible to have a childlike faith? They're not kidding. That's the best way to go. But my kids are so relational with God. It's like you would, I, I feel like when I'm praying, he doesn't care if my dog has bad breath or if my dinner burnt. He did, but he does. He wants to know the small parts. And my kids, my, my son prayed the other day. He was praying about a cat. We don't have a cat. But he was praying about his cat that we don't have, <laughs> that it must have died and gone to heaven. And he, he, like, he was just talking to the Lord, and it was adorable. But that's what the Lord wants. He wants a relationship. 
And so when you see your friend, you don't just say, all is well and, and my family is alive. You don't just touch on the, the main points. You talk about the little parts. You say like, oh, I started having flaxseed in my oatmeal and it's making me more healthy. You know, you talk about the little pieces. That's a relationship. And that's what the Lord wants from each of us. So I wanted to close with this last, these verses that I love. Um, Ephesians three fourteen through 20. And it just, to me, it just wraps it up. Like, it's just like, it's a prayer. Um, but here it goes. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To me that's so, it's so on point. Because it's like just wraps it all up. That, That we would, that he would grant us according to the riches of his glory. We have access to his riches. We just need to dust off our Bibles and open them up and seek Him. And if you look at your Bible and you think, it is in Greek, I can't understand it, I don't understand it. But there's, there's something to be said about dwelling in, getting familiar, coming past the doorway, digging deep, looking. At, if you don't understand it, look into it more. You know, pray that the Lord would open your eyes and, um, and that He would help you to know the fullness of Christ. And it says in verse 19 of Ephesians 3, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Like, he will give you knowledge and that you will be filled with the fullness of God. He will fill up your tank. I would just, my prayer for all of you ladies is that you would not forget what we have. We have the tools to make it through our struggles. And I know we all have them and they're all different, but God cares about them all equally. So I'll just close in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for the message that you've given us, Lord. I ask that that this message would just reach reach our hearts, Lord, and, and cause us to get familiar with you, Lord. I love you. I thank you that you've come down from your throne and sent your son, and you did all this work just to know us, Lord. I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted. I thank you that you're merciful and you care and that you'll lift us up and bring us closer to your son. I ask that you just touch each one of these ladies and just brush off our dirt, Lord, and prune us from our excess, excessive volunteering and and things. And I pray that you'd help us to be focused on you and that we would just, just know what you want for us, Lord, and help us to seek you out. Thank you that you love us and you want to be dwelling with us, Lord. We pray all this in your heavenly Father's, in your holy Son's name. Amen.